The reading is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, uh, verses 5 through to 25. The birth of John the Baptist foretold. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well on in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well on in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realised he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favour and taken away my disgrace among the people. May the Lord bless to us that reading from his word. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. 
But which prayer was that exactly? Of all the prayers he might have uttered over the years. And when had Zechariah prayed it? And what had he prayed for? On the face of it, the promise that his barren wife Elizabeth would bear him a son would seem to be the most obvious answer to his prayer, since that's what the angel goes on to tell him. Yet for Zechariah, this was clearly unexpected news. His first reaction to being told that his prayer is going to be answered is incredulity. How can this be? Are you really sure? I mean, I'm an old man and my wife is no spring chicken either. Parents, at our age, after all these years, have you got the right couple? Have you come to the right person? Natural questions to ask, perhaps, in Zechariah's shoes. The angel clearly feels he's being a bit impertinent and he ought to know better. After all, this is Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And it is from the presence of God himself that he has been sent to Zechariah, to the right person, to bring him the good news that his prayer has been answered. This message comes from the top. Zechariah's prayer had not been lost or handled by some obscure clerk in a celestial government department whose working never crossed the desk of the Almighty. When Gabriel tells Zechariah that his prayer has been heard, he means his prayer has been heard by no one less than God himself, hasn't been delegated to some inferior secondary being. This is God's personal invitation in response to Zechariah's prayer. And when the angel says he's been sent, he means he's been sent from the throne room of heaven, commissioned for this task by God himself. When you pray, your prayer is heard by God. Not his secretary, not his personal assistant, doesn't undergo some kind of screening process so that only the really important stuff gets through to him. Our prayers are heard by God. And they matter to him because we matter to him. It is all personal. And even though, as he clearly does in this case, God may employ angels to execute answers to his prayer, to be messengers to say, yes, now is the time for your prayer to be answered, the listening is something he does. And the deciding what to do with our prayers is something he does. It's personal. And on this occasion, it rather looks like Zechariah is getting more than he bargained for in terms of an answer to his prayer. He was clearly not expecting, after all these years, to be told that his wife was going to become pregnant. So if that was the prayer that had been answered... If that was what he'd been praying for, clearly he hadn't been praying recently with a great deal of faith. There was no longer any real expectation or anticipation on his part that God would ever actually answer that prayer. Because when the answer comes, it's the last thing he expects. So maybe he was just praying out of a sense of habit, or duty, 
or we just got used to praying it over the years, sense of routine. In which case, it came as a real shock to realise that however half-hearted or a little bit faithless his prayer had been, God had taken it seriously. God had taken it on board. God had taken him at his word and maybe even had paid more attention in listening to Zechariah's prayer than Zechariah had paid attention in uttering it over recent years. Or maybe, maybe he'd stopped asking for this actually a long time ago. And and maybe this was a prayer he'd prayed years back. Back in the days when his faith was stronger and he believed that this prayer could still be answered, humanly speaking. Back in the time when he really prayed fervently and persistently and faithfully and he and Elizabeth kept trying to no avail. But now maybe after all these years he'd more or less given up praying apart from the set prayers he prayed as a priest assuming that nothing was ever really going to happen in answer to his prayers. The best before date on this prayer had expired a long, long time ago. In which case it came as a real surprise to learn that his prayer had been brought out of cold storage as it were and was now ready for actioning. The moment had come. There's a lesson there for us. Just because your prayer hasn't been answered yet, don't assume that the answer is therefore no. Full stop. It may look as if we've missed the boat, but it's never too late for God to pull something out of the hat. One of the hard things about prayer is that God doesn't work to anybody's schedule but his own. And that can be extremely frustrating and unsettling for us at times. Especially those of us who like to know that everything is organised and arranged down to the last detail, the control freaks among us. Don't cope easily when God doesn't fit our agenda. But there you go, the downside of praying to the Lord is that he is the Lord. And therefore he is the one who decides whether and when and how he's going to answer our prayers. What he does with them. It's ours to ask. It's his to answer as he sees fit, when he sees fit. And that may throw all our plans and ideas into the melting pot. I'm sure it did for Zechariah and Elizabeth. Their son would bring them joy and delight, the angel says. Well, I'm sure he would, and a whole lot of hard work and exhaustion to boot. And they wouldn't be around to see what he did when he grew up. One of the hard and difficult lessons to learn when it comes to prayer is that we can't give God deadlines. He just ignores them. Or maybe Zechariah's prayer was altogether of a more general nature. He'd long ago given up praying for a child. But he'd not stopped praying for his wife. Because life had been really hard for Elizabeth. As a couple, they'd lived faithful lives. They'd served God, they'd lived blamelessly, they'd kept the commandments... And while they'd never done any of that with a mercenary view to earning God's favour, because that wasn't how righteous people lived their lives, it was hard to cope with the disparity between how they lived their life 
and what happened to them. Because in that culture, like it or not, children were perceived as God's gift, a sign of divine favour, and having children withheld was easily and commonly construed as a sign of God's displeasure. And it was hard to have done everything right and for everything to have gone wrong in such a deeply personal way. And while deep down Zechariah and Elizabeth both knew that they'd done nothing wrong to deserve their lack of children, they knew that everybody else was looking at them and wondering why they hadn't had any children. What had Elizabeth done, perhaps, to make her barren? What hidden sin was there in her life, or maybe in the lives of her parents, that had prevented her from conceiving? Nothing was ever said out loud, of course. You would never do that. But everybody knew what everybody else was thinking. The absence of a child meant that Zechariah and Elizabeth lived under a permanent cloud of suspicion. People who looked as if they lived the right kind of life, but actually something didn't quite add up somewhere. And that may have been the subject of Zechariah's prayer. Not asking that Elizabeth would be able to conceive a child, he'd given up on that after all these years, but rather, Lord, bring my wife to a place where she can hold her head up high without feeling other people are disapproving of her or criticising her. Lord, take away her disgrace. Vindicate her. Clear her name. Show her how much you love her. Show her that she's all right in your eyes. If this man loved his wife as he surely did, then his distress, her distress would have been the subject of his prayers. Because what was going on was not fair. It was not right. And there is scope in our prayers for challenging God when it seems like people we love are getting a raw deal from him. God, what are you doing to this person who is your servant? Why are you treating them like that? Why are you letting this happen to them? Why are they suffering so much when they don't deserve it? Why are you treating them like this? I know that you love them, I know that you care for them, but it doesn't look like it just now. Do something to set it right. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down to rescue them. Yes, there is scope for praying prayers like this. And that might have been the prayer that Zechariah was praying. That might have been the prayer that the angel said, Zechariah, your prayer has been answered in a way beyond your imagining. Not just taking away your wife's disgrace, but actually you're going to be parents. Or maybe his prayer wasn't even for Elizabeth. Maybe that wasn't the prayer that the angel had in mind. Because as a priest burning incense before the Lord, it was his job to pray for the nation, the people of Israel. That would have been the focus of the prayers of all the people gathered outside the temple, waiting for him to reappear. Praying for God's blessing, God's mercy upon his people, God's grace towards his people, God's deliverance of his people. Whether they had a set liturgy that they followed for the burning of incense, I don't know, I confess. But there is no doubt that there were issues in the nation that needed, needed prayer. 
and Zechariah brought the needs of the nation before the Lord in his presence as he burned incense in the temple. His prayers were answered because the son that would be born to him and his wife would be the means of answering those prayers. Gabriel tells Zechariah that John will bring many people back to the Lord their God. That he would turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. The disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. He would get the people in a fit state to meet with God. So could it be that the task assigned to John when he grows up is a reflection of the burden of Zechariah's prayer for the nation. Zechariah, your prayer for your people has been heard. And this is how God is going to answer it. You will have a son and he will be the means of answering the prayers that you have just uttered in the presence of the Almighty. It's possible. He and Elizabeth are singled out as being righteous and upright people, blameless in their careful observance of all the Lord's commandments and regulations. For them to be singled out in this way suggests that what was true for them was not necessarily true of the nation as a whole. There were people whose hearts were a long way from God. And as a priest, it was Zechariah's task to bring the needs of the nation before the Lord. And as the man who was close to God, representing a people who were far away from God, it was his job to bring them into the presence of the Lord and cry out to the Lord, Lord, turn the hearts of this people back to you. His son would do that. Or maybe as someone who longed for children but had never been able to have them, Zechariah was grieved over the way in which he saw fathers treating their children. I would never treat a child like that. How can you treat your children like that? The way in which economic hardships put pressure on families as young men left the family home to look for work elsewhere, leaving the father struggling to manage without their help. Who knows what problems there were between fathers and children? The breakdown between the generations, the misunderstanding the different ways of serving God, the grief of parents seeing their children go off the rails. It would be part of John's brief to set that right. To turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children again. To heal the rift between the generations so that families would come together before the Lord. And John would also turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. That's a good prayer to pray for people whose lives seem to be spiralling out of control. Sometimes what people need more than a change in their external circumstances is a change in their hearts. Because what needs to happen is they need to have wisdom to know how to live life well and properly. Lord, give them wisdom to show them how to live their lives, to avoid making stupid mistakes, to have the maturity to make responsible decisions. Give them wisdom to know how to live their lives well rather than simply lurching from one crisis to another. 
Zechariah could see how some people were struggling because they lacked wisdom. Well, it would be his son's job to turn the hearts of those who had been disobedient to the Lord to the wisdom of the wise. The wisdom of the righteous. And also it would be John's job to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You know, as, as a priest getting ready to go into the temple to burn incense, Zechariah would have had, had to undergo meticulous preparation to be ready to come into God's presence. He would have had to purify himself, washing his hands and his feet, wearing his priestly garments, making sure he was pure in body and in mind and in spirit before he entered the presence of the Holy One. He couldn't just blunder in. Ingrained, deeply ingrained within his consciousness would have been the Lord's words to his people, you must be holy because I am holy. And if the Lord were to visit his people now, they would be woefully unprepared. Maybe there was a tension in his heart, as on the one hand he prayed, Lord, come and visit your people and set them free from Roman oppression. And yet, if you come to your people, Lord, what a state they're in! What a mess you would find! What would you do? And so he prays. Maybe John's task of getting the people ready so that they were prepared for the Lord was also part of God's answer to Zechariah's prayer. What was he praying for? We don't know. Was he praying for a child still? Had he prayed in the past? Was he praying for his wife? Was he praying for the nation that they would turn back to God? that the disobedient would be turned to the wisdom of the righteous, that they'd be healing across the generations, that they would be ready to meet with God. Which prayer was it? Or maybe it was a prayer for all three. And it wasn't right that his wife, a righteous daughter of Aaron, should suffer disgrace in the eyes of so many people in the nation whose hearts were a long way from God. <clears throat> and actually, God so coordinates it that his prayers for a child uttered so long ago now with such half-hearted faith would be answered in such a way that his son would be the means of removing his wife's disgrace and of sorting out the nation and preparing the way for the Lord in a way far more significant than Zechariah could ever begin to conceive. Among those born of women, there has been no one greater than John the Baptist, was Jesus' verdict on Zechariah's son. So just maybe, rather than just a son, God had a far bigger, greater, significant agenda than Zechariah could get his head round. Flip it around for a moment. Let's take our eyes off Zechariah burning incense in the temple and let's focus on what God is about to do. He is sending his son to be the Messiah. God himself coming into the world. 
being born to Mary. Coming to save not just his people Israel, but the whole world from sin and death. And he needs someone to prepare the way for Jesus. Someone to prepare the way for the Lord. God is about to embark on implementing the plan of salvation that has been in place since before the foundation of the world. This is it. This is the decisive moment. And old Zechariah, burning incense in the temple, praying for his barren wife and the nation in trouble, prayers that are perhaps a little bit half-hearted after all these years, he becomes part of that. His prayers are a launching pad for what God is about to do. And the whole plan of salvation is set in motion when the angel comes to Zechariah and says, Zechariah, your prayers have been heard. Everything God is about to do, he's doing in response to your prayer. Those prayers uttered such a long time ago with so little faith. They are part of God's eternal, perfect plan. So never underestimate the importance of prayer. When we pray, we become part of something far bigger than we can begin to comprehend. When we pray, God uses our prayers as part of working out the agenda of his kingdom. As I've said, Zechariah would never live to see the impact that John would make when he grew up. But his prayers played a vital part in bringing that about. The amazing thing perhaps is not not so much that God answers our prayers... The amazing thing is that our prayers, inadequate as they may be, can play such a vital role in achieving God's aims and purposes. You may sometimes feel as if your prayers ascend no higher than the ceiling, but God hears every one of them. And you may never know in this life how much difference your prayers have made, but lifting them and entrusting them to God, that's all part of faith. And from Zechariah we know that God hears. And we know that God incorporates our prayers into his plan of action and agenda of his kingdom. And they aren't lost or forgotten or wasted. God uses them. And sometimes that involves waiting. And waiting can be hard. But God knows what he is about. And he calls us to trust as we wait for him. So let's pray.
Lord, we all have prayers that feel like they've been in cold storage for a long time. Prayers for ourselves. Prayers of distress and concern for people we love. Prayers for our land and our nation that just don't seem to make any difference. Keep us from giving up. Teach us the discipline of waiting. Thank you that in your inscrutable wisdom you are working your purpose out. Enable us to trust that our prayers play their part in that somehow. So keep us faithful. Keep us praying. Lift our eyes again to you. And Lord, those prayers that we, we lift out of our minds and we look at them, we lay them again at your feet. Lord, we believe that these burdens come from your Spirit. And moved by your Spirit, we lift them to you. Lord, let your kingdom come. Take charge. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.